Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mr. Julian the Gilgill, how's he doing? I'm doing very well. <laughs> Thank you for sitting here in my dressing gown. Hashtag gown gang. It is time, I, my friend, for another yeah. OBP. OBP. I'm, I'm change, yeah, I'm changing it from the U to Ooh, baby. We've got a lot of questions <laughs> to go through. Ooh, baby, the podcast is what the UBP now stands for. But also, it's the entire part of the podcast. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. And Hello. we ask people for all sorts of different talking points, thoughts on whatever they'd like us to talk about. Elden Ring, I don't know about your social Twitter, social meet, social meet, social feed. Oh, I'm drinking in the Elden social media, mate. Dominating. It is honey ale for the throat because <laughs> there is so many people playing Elden Ring. I have not stopped playing this game even Same. though i haven't racked up as many hours as some people uh, have been able to. Mm-hmm. I am so deep into this in terms of just I'm invested. Yes. This is my game. And annoyingly, I'm getting to the point already, which usually takes me a long time in like Dark Souls and Bloodborne experiences, Mm -hmm. where I'm like constantly looking around at items that I've picked up and spells and just thinking, oh, I want to use that. Oh, I want to respect my entire character. Just maybe I want to start again. And I'm like, no, no, no. uh, I've not even finished the game once. Don't start (laughs) the game right now. Like, come on. No, I had that, um, that thought the other day where I was like, because my dude now, I mean, th- okay, the thing is, we've got a lot of Elden Ring questions. I did ask sure. for some because I want sure, people's sure, thoughts sure. on it, whether they oh, do. Oh, I asked in. for everyone's builds as well, and I got a yes. ton of responses. So there's ton- yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff to talk about in, in regards to all things Elden Ring. And looking at the sales figures, it seems like most people have picked it up. It's it's mm-hmm. outsold uh, Cyberpunk. It, 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 it's it been the best um, best sales in the UK since like Call of Duty or something, but it's, yeah. it's outsold like Red Dead 2 and Assassin's I mean, Creed. It also yeah. did help as well that it was the first kind of major release to come out of the like i will call it the post pandemic even though it's mm. very not that but that's just what the the, the media is telling definitely us. the like, first like multi-platform major release yeah. i mean it outsold horizon um two and a half times more of Elden ring to horizon yeah. but obviously that's ps5 ps playstation exclusive mm-hmm. point being that i think a lot of people have it um and so we'll talk about some Elden ring but i've got some other questions in here as well because i don't want to what about the people who aren't playing it what about the people yeah. who don't want to get paid we'll go get a copy and if you can't get a copy <laughs> then, then pirate it <laughs> Don't don't pirate it. Don't don't, Dude, don't 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 land that at my door. Get get some eyes on it. I would go see <laughs> what you think of it because it's a very unique thing. But we'll break that stuff down as we go. First question from an average human who just says, "What did you have on your pancakes?" I've just dived in, dove into Cyberpunk for the first time as well. Just thought you'd, you'd want to know. That's all. Well, thank you very much. Cyberpunk's very good. But Jules, what did you have on your pancakes? I had a classic one of just uh, lemon and sugar, which is just uh, tip-top in the chip shop. I had a bit of uh, golden <laughs> syrup on one, which is quite nice. And then uh-huh. I rounded things off with a, I guess it's more of a crepe 
um, because of the fact that it was banana and chocolate spread, Ooh. vegan, obviously, because you know, that's how I roll, mate. <laughs> Did you, um, do you have a specific pancake recipe? Because I, ever since I discovered the American recipe that's on um, BBC Good Foods, like for the really thick ones, those thick boys are the way. Like I'm massively oh, yeah, all, like, I'm all like over them. Oh yeah, like stack pancakes or whatever they call them. Really, they're quite small. The yeah, about eight centimeters diameter is what you're supposed mm. to pour to, and then they get really mm. thick and you flip them and yeah. they literally rise mm. in the pan. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, like if they, um, I think it's IHOP over in America mm. that is like oh, famous for doing their pancakes. Mm -hmm. If they did a vegan range, man, I would eat <laughs> all the time because I actually had, weirdly enough, I had an IHOP pancake when I wasn't in IHOP and we brought over some leftovers when I was over there. It was very okay. odd, but I was just like, oh, <laughs> you look like you need some pancakes. Was, yeah, it was before I was vegan. So I was there like, oh, this is delicious. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just so sugary and sweet. And it mm -hmm. had everything that I knew was bad for me, but in the best possible way. So it I was, was like, like yeah, okay. it's like overkill. Like we had them when we went to New Orleans and it was just like sitting in there with this massive chunk of butter, a huge stack of pancakes, just yeah. pouring a jug of syrup over it. I was like, this is what I expected from the American pancake experience. And, mate, whoever came up with the idea of pairing that with bacon uh yes. <laughs> put them in the hall of fame because that is big boy stuff right there. i need to share the picture uh, with you i might put it on twitter of because uh, my we we'd had pancakes for tea the other night for, for the nice. evening meal and it was a meal it was just a wait, stack wait, of pancakes. The, your, your whole meal was pancakes. Well, see, yeah i grappled with this on the evening as well and my wife was like oh we should make like savory ones and we can put like feta with it and stuff and i was like feta is a bit weird uh, feta? with, oh, with what, syrup what? i know and i was like what, <laughs> <laughs> what is this the face that jules has done but it's still, I was like, well, I'm up for experimenting. At some point, someone had to try bacon and sausage with it. So you never know. And uh, and so my wife went down the feta route, which I mean, she's on the other side of the couch. But I was getting down on the pancake sausage side. So I made a big yeah, stack, man. pancake yeah. syrup and sausage, and just went through a lot of that. Um, gaming podcast, is it? Yes. So um, next <laughs> question from Josh Youngman, who says, if we assume that in the Pokemon universe, people eat Pokemon, which Pokemon would you eat? Oh, again, <laughs> again, I'm going to I'm going to lift the old uh, vegan barrier here and say, oh. that I, see, I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of fish. Like, I actually okay. think that if I was to go back, I'd go pescatarian because El I do poisson, really, I do really enjoy uh, fish. And mm -hmm. so maybe as sad as it is to say, especially since this is my girlfriend's favorite Pokemon, it should probably kill me for mm -hmm. saying this. I'd go for a bit of crabby claw, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> bit of old crabby, just pluck it up. <laughs> to be fair, that's the nearest thing to an actual like exactly. human, what do you call it? Earth creature, human creature. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I've, I've never thought of going down the, the vegan route, the salady route, because there are quite a few salad Pokemons, although my... I mean, yeah, the thing is, is I wouldn't I wouldn't want to eat like Ivysaur's leaves or something like that, because no. just, like, they, look, they look a bit manky. They're I think a bit, it'd be like, a bit wilted back well. of the back of the, um, uh, the fridge sort of uh, scenario going on that. Like, but then I think Battle Plume be a bit weird as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would make you ill. Are there any really nice looking, like, sort Oddish, of fresh? Maybe? Yeah, fresh Pokemon. Oddish is quite close to sort of something that you could maybe have a bit nibble on. But even yeah. then, you're, you're eating part of it. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to have the whole thing. Like, not like Venusaur or whatever. You're having, like, a part of it. But yeah. I don't know. If we're going down the meat route, then I, yeah. I, I don't know. Some sort of chicken Pokemon. I can't think of anything that's wait, similar. You, wait, wait. Out of all of the different types of meat out there, you choose <laughs> chicken. The you most can season basic chicken. Yeah, but it's the most basic meat of. It's not of turkey, all. mate. Choose, choose something that's got a bit more flavor, a bit more give. What's like, mm. you know? I, I feel I, like I, you I know. I want. I want. I, I want the Gyarados, what, right? What you should. Garrett Gyarados is actually a good shout <laughs> because the fact that it would actually be like stonkingly muscly meat Michelle. as well. But you could 
If you're gonna be, if you're gonna go out there, you might as well go all out. Just yeah. choose one of the legendary, one of a kind birds, <laughs> like the, the, the <laughs> ultimate legendary Pokemon, and just eat one of them and just be like, yeah. One of the ones I don't know the names of the two dinosaurs that you get at the end of Arceus or Arceus or whatever, but like they're like huge. They're from Diamond and Pearl, and like yeah. those things uh, turn up, and like yeah, just give me let me neck on that thing. It's like speaking. It's like an Elden Ring when you kill the tortoises slash dogs, and I it feel says so bad about that, and you way. get like turtle neck meat. Yeah, and I'm just, just like, like oh, it's so okay, harsh, man. But wasting I, I, the rest. Of I'm it. worried that you're gonna kill all of one specific animal in the game and you're going to pop an achievement that's just saying well done you heartless monster you wiped out the <laughs> buffalo or something like that it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where like you're going to kill the last one and be like oh mm. No. Well, I love when you like, um, or I love and I hate when you attack some smaller versions of creatures and then something else just comes out the ground next to you. Yeah. Like I found like this weird ruin last night that's full of spiders, but they're all, the spiders are made of hands. Oh, like great. as if it was like two that hands over fun. each other. Horrible. But like, they're all coming at you. And then, um, and there's one thing on the floor, it looks like an item that you can pick up, but it's actually an open hand waiting. And then when you pick the uh, hand, the thing up, it just grabs you. And then, and oh, then you got to fight it. No. I did a proper jump scare, like the first jump scare in the game for me, but I probably did a little home a scream and then ran back to fight it properly anyway this is very much the pivot into elden ring stuff we okay, might pivot cool. back out of it we'll see how we go but we had a lot of elden ring um questions talking points whatever because it is just the the thing that's going on in gaming yep um so a question from todd broomstone phenomenal name who says i've played 35 hours of elden ring so far and i have got to this i've only just gotten to the second largest open area so my question is wtf because how have you been balancing your time have you been doing the proper levels or are you no, in the open world no more? no really? not at all man as soon as I got um, like a whiff of oh it's telling me to go this way towards mm. uh, I think I beat Margaret and then I was just like okay I know that that's going <laughs> to be Margaret. the um, <laughs> that's Margaret, Margaret Large Marge yeah um, oh Large Marge I managed to beat him and was like okay so maybe uh, that's going to be the legacy castle that everyone's been telling me about so yes. I'm going to go in the exact opposite way and just <laughs> check out whatever's there and I'm glad I did because mm -hmm. I found loads of extra secrets like I said on the uh, the What Culture main gaming podcast that came out last Wednesday mm -hmm. just more items abilities skills and things like that that i was like oh this is going to make my uh, journey through the rest of this game mm. so much easier and in fact i would say that it's essential items some of them like the spirit bell and things like that like oh yeah you're not going to get through the first round of the game without calling in some help at some point if mm. unless you are an, a true masochist so yeah getting those sort of things early doors really did help no man totally like the the more that i've explored the more that i've like i don't know how you would get through that stormvale castle if you didn't have at least some you know at least you hadn't grinded some a XP little backup, into yeah strength or defense or whatever because that place really hits hard um and especially going up against godric like he has quite a sizable health bar even after i mean i'm i feel what level number i'm on but i'm about 20 hours in and i've, I've yeah. largely been specking towards strength and stuff um because i always I mean, in souls games i'm always like well i want to evade i'm not going to do a, i'm not going to have the fat roll but i want to make it so that when i do hit it hits and I can actually take yeah. some damage and then get back out of there again. Um, where do you stand on the fat roll stuff? I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but what, um, what side I are you on? Never ever fat roll. Same. The fact that my uh, reaction speeds aren't great to begin with, um, unless I'm playing Sifu, apparently, because I'm doing very <laughs> well in that. Um, uh, so I just want to eliminate that. Um, mm. Well, I don't. Want, I just don't want to be clipped because mm. I, I too don't play the game. I think I'm playing this more like I'm playing uh, a mix of Sekiro and uh, Bloodborne because mm -hmm. of the fact that I'm not doing any blocking or parrying. I'm literally just dodging and two-handing everything. Like mm -hmm. I, 
I don't know. I'm just, I'm just being much more aggressive rather than uh, defensive, which I totally was not when I played Dark Souls one, two, and three. With those mm-hmm. games, I was literally like shield up, turtle poke, like all the way through. Well, that's the thing. That like that, like that's like the vintage way to play. Which like some of that DNA is still in me. I feel like Bloodborne made me dash a lot more and get more comfortable mm-hmm. with being in things, something's face. I remember when they brought in um, dual swords in Dark Souls two, and I was like, well, that's cool. I really want to be that class. And so I started getting more comfortable with that stuff over time. Mm-hmm. And Sekiro and Sifu very much get you so up, up close with stuff. But it's funny because like we were talking about restarting with a different build i've seen mm-hmm. um i think he's called gene park i forget what gene park uh if he's a, a dev or anything but i follow him on twitter he's something to do with gaming he's important right. he's the thing yeah and um he was like 90 hours in and then he restarted to do a mage build and uh, i was sending that to josh and he was like 90 hours he just lost and i was like probably kind of wants to do the same because magic is so crazy in this game yeah there is a lot of amazing spells and like I'm only uh, just now starting to level up my intelligence uh, stat enough mm. to actually start using them in conjunction with stuff that I've already got on because mm-hmm. at the moment I was uh, running a, a like a bleed samurai build uh, where I, I, I got, love like, the samurai I got like the bloody slash onto my um, my katana and I was basically just like using that sacrificing a bit of my own HP but doing mm-hmm. tons of uh, blood damage to them and then I was like okay I'm not doing, I'm doing a lot of damage, but I'm still not that flexible when it comes to combat. Like I've got one or two tricks and that's mm-hmm. it. So if an enemy finds a way around that, then I am boned. So <laughs> now I've basically been putting points into magic and I've been imbuing my uh, katanas and other weapons with magic right. damage. And now I'm just going through, it's like, ah, sucks that you don't have any defense. That's like the one thing one these. that I've hardly done anything with is like the different pickups that let you, yeah, like you can like, you know, like eat some neck meat and then all of a sudden your sword is like a fire sword. Pickled, or a- pickled turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, let me bust this out on my blades and then I've got like electric damage or whatever. Yeah. I've not been doing too much of that because um, I tend to save them for the bosses. Then I get wiped trying to learn their animations anyway and then I've lost whatever that item is. But um, yeah, my starting class has been Samurai and then I'm just like trying to be prior, trying to prioritize evasion. Um, but I love the, the double-handed stuff. Like if you have the Samurai yeah. sword, you can do that sheath move where you oh, wait. So well, see, I, lost that. I lost that because I did the bloody slash instead. Um, um, it, like you get rid of it in exchange for it. And to be fair, the bloody mm-hmm. slash is better overall, but I do like like that the unsheathed is a wide arcing slash yes. you can take out multiple enemies in front of you so it's like i've traded for one singular very powerful because i've got something at the minute um which is i think it's called the blood strike blade and it was something that i just mm. found uh underground and uh and i like its special move is to like hit and do a backflip and then come back in oh, and do another that's hit nice really really cool if you time it well against those weird hand spiders i flipped out the way and then gutted it again and i was like yeah. that was the coolest thing i've ever done so um but yeah anyway to bring people's um different questions and stuff back in PG Quip says, is Elden Ring the first time FromSoft have got the fun pain ratio right, or at least closer to what most people can handle? Yeah, I totally agree I with think so. that because I, as I said before, I think that it allows you to, once you hit a brick wall, instead of saying this is the only way to progress, you can only get through by doing this. Mm. You can just go, it now goes, right, it's an open world, go find something else, go level mm. up somewhere else. And it doesn't feel like you're just farming the same area again and again and again like some of the other dark souls experiences were because it's like okay i guess i'm under level better just grind the same things rest at the bonfire here it's like oh i'm gonna move through this area i'm gonna find a mm. new uh, roaming enemy i might even find a field boss like the other day i was just exploring an area that i have gone through many many times and then just standing up on the edge of a cliff was a um was a figure and i was like wait a minute, how do I get up to where he is? I don't know uh-huh. where that is. So I went and traced down around the architecture of this big spiral like um, tower mm-hmm. and went all the way back along, found another place. And I was like, oh my God, there's a wall about a mile away. Right. You just have to jump onto and it allows you to go up a path and follow all of these, like the, the roofs of something else. And I was like, okay. So when I finally got there, it was like turned around. I was like, ah, oh, 
this is a brand new fight in an area that I thought was previously cleared. And he yeah. kicked my ass. So I was oh, like, like they've got to do all that again. The like, amount of, uh, in the map as well, the amount of times that the game just goes like, and here's an other, another quarter, another third of what mate, you thought was the whole map. When you go map. down the well in the tree yes. at the very beginning and you just go like, hold on a minute, I'm underground <laughs> now. What is going on? And everything down there is like completely different. Like yeah. spirits, ghosts, like shepherd um, trolls and stuff like that. You're like, giant lightning bugs you're like <laughs> what is this game that's the thing it's like oh they built like a whole i mean it seems like they built a whole map which i haven't i haven't found the edges of yet and i've been making a point of trying to find them um and then also there's this weird underground thing which we don't know the full ramifications of yet but you can descend into it right at the very beginning of the game which i did in the first 10 minutes i was right under there and i think i mentioned it on one of the earlier early other mm-hmm. podcasts that we've done but i've seen other people who have reviewed the game are 100 hours in just now finding that ele- elevator like, oh and then going oh there's like all this other stuff but it's yeah that side of it is ridiculous in regards to um frustration and stress and um playing it yeah this i i am at it's maybe because i've played so many of these games now it has been a decade of them at this point but um i do think that they get the they walk the line better like it doesn't feel like i, I just got killed or i just got flattened yeah. that i didn't know where i went wrong i always know where i went wrong um and i've only been killed through a wall once so far oh yeah oh man i i got uh, transported to some guy who uh wants like these death roots uh mm-hmm. in order to eat them to like power himself up and outside his little sanctum that he's got is a giant sort of like um egyptian cat that's got like gold-plated armor and a massive thing so i went up to it and just thought like i give it a crack (laughs) see what it's like attacked it and i was like oh his health bar is not going down at all and it just turned around and one shot me and i was like (laughs) ah okay went back and forth it again and it clipped through the entire wall with such a wide arcing strike that it managed to hit me across when i was hiding behind two pillars i was like oh my (laughs) god like come on that's the thing that they've never done as far as i know like in the games they brought in the idea that when you swing you bounce off the environment like you will bounce off the environment Mm -hmm. with a big swing the enemies never do like it would offer them and it would offer exploit wouldn't it you just hide behind a wall and it would just be like ping attack yeah i guess like to some degree they need to like make sure they can always keep the pressure on you but that cat thing i've seen shared loads and i've not find found it yet so i, I need it to try and brutal to fight mate <laughs> there's so many like enemies that you look at first and think i reckon i can take you and then it's mm. immediately like oh no i can't I there's cannot. a uh, there's a village to the northwest um with um it's like a bonfire it's like this i feel like it's called the Ara araconian village or something mm-hmm. and it's like this weird twisted thing about, i mean you can go and read the lore and stuff when you get there but then there is this guy who's just standing next to a bonfire who just sort of looks unassuming and there's two dogs near him and then when you um activate him or trigger him or whatever he comes at you with these two massive uh, like club blade things oh, with this like three hit combo and if you get caught in any one of those three things it for me it was a one hit kill um and i was just like okay like you know that, that feeling that you get in souls where it's like okay i'll back off for a second yeah, then i'm but... gonna leave this the, the only thing that i do think that uh, could be quite useful mm. um as like a ui patch mm-hmm. is when you unlock new areas if you haven't cleared the area maybe have like you know mm. they've got like a light source behind the image that's like a like a shining thing mm-hmm. maybe mm. they could just have that as like dulled or something like that so that you know yeah. oh i've been there but i haven't cleared that area because i've actually come across a few things where i'm like have i done everything in this area mm-hmm. and i've gone back to it and been like oh wait there's another enemy or a route that i didn't take mm-hmm. and i kind of missed that the Skyrim thing of having a tick mark next to it, like you've done everything. Yeah, it's interesting because I wonder if that, that's that's an interesting line for them to walk as devs, because like I've, I I don't think I'll ever see everything in this game, but mm. I also know that I've not seen everything in Skyrim, and it, it, that's weird because that's appealing, but then I'm also just like I want to see everything, so it's like, but yeah. how do you kind of walk that line without giving us just a big list of stuff? I think I just get I uh, take a level of satisfaction knowing that I haven't just like missed out a boss that I completely mm. forgot about who kicked my ass before. It's like mm. um, I know, for example, when I was going back through, I was like. 
have I been to here before? Went down through, thought that I'd done everything and it left the cave. And then suddenly it was like, wait, there was a boss gate down there. I'm pretty sure. Went back down there, fought the boss and beat him. Right. I was like, but there was nothing to tell me that I hadn't done that apart from at that time. I was like, this is too difficult for me and I need to step away. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's the whole, whole other thing in regards to um, difficulty. It's just it's like like Jules said, it's picking and choosing, knowing your own limits. Like listen mm-hmm. to what the game is telling you. Like if you're up against something that is one-shotting you, then go the other way. Go get leveled up. There's infinite XP to farm. There's infinite dudes to go uh, kill and rank up and then come back and one-shot it yourself. So um, <laughs> it'll take a while, but you can do it. Um, next question from Pinky, who says, I'm an old man at the creaky age of 37, but I recently managed to get some epic battles in against the Valkyrs in God of War before finishing the story. I love open-world fantasy RPGs, but my reflexes aren't what they once were. Should I get Elden Ring? P.S. I love you 3000. Thank you very much. Of course <laughs> you should get Elden Ring. Of course you get should. Get in Elden Ring. <laughs> Just get it, man. Just get, I, th- I think if you're all right against the Valkyrs, you'll be more than fine yeah. in Elden Ring. Like I would say that the Valkyrs are harder than anything I've fought in this so far. Um, there's especially the uh, the queen at the end. Uh, Actually, yeah, I'm, is, I'm specifically is, meaning her. Yeah, I think it's because of the fact that she is using everything that the other uh, Valkyries have been using. So it's kind of like okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but I'd say that Elden Ring is a lot more forgiving in the sense that there are only at the moment i know that people are saying that difficulty ramps up incredibly like towards some of the later games uh, mm-hmm. actual bosses but there are loads of mini bosses field bosses uh cave bosses that you can beat that really do give that sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. and a ton of great rewards as well and they're also- not too difficult yeah, also, I'm going to read this question, and we can talk about this as a, as a facet of uh, of these games. Um, AJ says, UBP, 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 yeah. hope we're both doing well. What are your thoughts on magic and summoning in Elden Ring? I know some people consider it to be essentially cheating. Personally, I'm new to the Souls game formula, so they, they've offered me assistance uh, when starting across those first few hours. Now, uh, what do you think of this stuff? Because I've changed over the, over the years in regards to summoning stuff. I personally think that anyone who gives another person a hard time for um, using summoning or spirit calling or stuff like that is mm. probably the same person who themselves looked up a guide and hates themselves for doing it. Like, <laughs> set your own parameters, man. Like, it's yeah. it's for me, it is not an issue whatsoever. If somebody wants to come at me and say, oh, you completed Elden Ring, but you use summons, you're not a real fan. I tell that person to go absolutely F themselves because <laughs> gatekeeping on a stupidly petty level yeah. like i don't enjoy the game any less for having completed it in the way that i dictate i'm happy to do so like this no, comes look- down to the uh question of difficulty and from software games mm. them adding in spirit calling summoning and stuff like that is a way to mitigate some of the challenge for players who maybe are not up for the challenge and don't find it fun to do it the way yeah. that other people do if you don't want to use spirits and summons and stuff like that then that is your call but don't make anyone else feel bad about it because what's the point no one's going to walk around and say oh look there's number one elden rings fan he's the coolest like no Did you one hear? says that yeah no, no one says that apart from the other water cooler masturbators that are doing the exact same thing <laughs> He's <laughs> all gathering around with the yeah. paper cups going, did you do it without summoning? Oh, did I you do, did, did summoning. you do it without summoning? Did you do it without summoning? I did it without summoning. I beat the game the day one it came out. Did you billy, mate? Did you absolutely billy? Take your is, words and sit on them. Yes, I lo- I so agree, man. I think I've got a few things to say with this, but yeah, it was some of my favorite Soulsian moments, memories rather, from the Souls trilogy, Bloodborne, um, are from summoning. Like, I mean, I I'll always remember one of the um, bosses that I beat in Dark Souls 2 that I was struggling mm-hmm. against for the longest time because when I went through Dark Souls 1, I went down the route of, well, I'm not going to summon because I want to see if I can do it myself. And it was just that thing of like, I wonder if I can. It was an entirely personal thing, but I was like, you know, it's like a test of your game and metal and I wonder if I can do it and blah. Yeah. 
And I fought, I did all of Dark Souls 1 without summoning, Unseen and Smile, horrible fight, whatever. But the whole point of these games is literally embodiment of the original phrase in Zelda, it's dangerous to go alone, take yeah. this. Like, they make them brutal so that you bring people in. It's supposed to be a shared experience. That's why a wing of the game is all about multiplayer. My uh, thing as well would be uh, Dark Souls 2 presents some bosses that actively have environmental effects that you can alter by exploring the level mm. uh, beforehand. Like there's the windmill that you can burn that removes the poison oh, yeah. thing from that mm. boss. And then there's the uh, the last sinner, I think, or the lost sinner. You can like light the room so you, get, you can actually see uh, when it dives uh, in and out of the shadows mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I would say that the game at those points gives you the option to make the boss battles easier. Again, with the Dragon Slayer and removing, uh, putting the panels up on the, uh, the platforms um, yeah. to make it easier. Not that it's a very difficult boss, but it allows you to do those things. Summoning in Elden Ring is treated in the exact same way because when you explore places like the um, the castle, you find a an NPC that then literally tells you mm. to summon them in battle when you come to fight Godric. Yeah. Like, there are things like that where the game is saying, listen, you can think what you want about these summons, but we are making it into an integral part of the gameplay that you can choose to engage with mm -hmm. or not. That is up to you, but it is a reward for exploring the area to make the upcoming boss fight that bit easier. Yeah. So why not use every tool that's been given to you? Also, genuinely, like, I mean, I love summoning people in. Oh, I well, the mm -hmm. thing that I love the most is what I did in five hours last night, which I did loads of in Dark Souls 3, where, whereas you just put your summon sign down next to the start of a boss area and just help people get through the yeah. game. I was like some weird, like Elden Ring Batman. I was just like, I'm going to just be here. I'm a I'm watchful protector. I'm there when you need me. Just summon me in and I'll get you through. And I was just getting people through the market fight and getting people through Godric. Yeah. Incredible. See, what I loved about it was I used to put my summon sign down before I'd actually fought the boss myself as a way oh, yeah. of actually like going oh, through. Oh, to see the animations and stuff. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because I, I could learn that way with the support of somebody else. And it Same. didn't actually mind if I died at that point mm. because I wouldn't lose all my souls or my humanity or whatever mm. I was carrying. But so that's... I was just that's like, that's such a good strategy, though. I've done that, too, because then it's like, well, you get to feel out what you're about mm -hmm. to go up against. And maybe then you want to have a go at it by yourself. And if you beat it by yourself and it feels good, then great. But if you want some support, then you call some. The thing that I love the most is you call people in and it's like in the Dark Souls. I'm going to call it the Souls community. Everyone bows. Everyone yeah, does everyone little emojis. Bows, yeah. Um, there's an emoji that I got, I learned it from some fire monks called like fire spurs me or something where you just yeah. like beat your heart over and over again. Nice. And I had me and two of the dudes just beating our hearts before we did the boss <laughs> fight. Just great. And, uh, and it's things like that, that you'll remember forever. Like you might remember you beating one of these games by yourself, like, you know, being like, oh my God, I actually did it. But there's something about overcoming such a massive amount of adversity in game design with people that will stick with you more. I think I love the summoning stuff in these games. A good comparison would be uh, the video game journey. Like you go through mm. the entire game on your own thinking that you're just like, uh, maybe it's an AI control thing that's joining mm. you every once in a while, dipping in, dipping out, and just like singing along with you. When mm. you complete the game and realize that it's actually another player that's been dipping in and out of your sessions without you ever communicating on that, mm. it creates that sense of community and makes the actual experience of the game so much deeper as a result. Yeah. Dark Souls for me is like that too. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates Fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I would I would say massively because they made it easier in this game too. You just hit pause. You can go into a multiplayer menu mm-hmm. and just pick what style of stuff you want to do. You can invade people. You can get invaded. Yep. Um, or you can just drop into people's games and help them or, or pick a specific spot that you want to go to. I think all that stuff is just just feels brilliant. I think it wouldn't work as well if the world didn't feel so aggressive. But like because you are up against so much stuff, there's a lot of help out there and it feels great to interact with it. At mm-hmm. least we think so. Um, so yeah, go, get, go enjoy summoning stuff. Um, we had a lot of questions that I'm going to put into like a, an overall talking point of whether people should prioritize Elden Ring right now. Like it's up okay. against Dying Light 2, Horizon, Pokemon, Oli Oli World. Um, there's probably something else that I'm forgetting, but there's a lot of, of worthwhile, recommendable games right now. Um, what's your gut feeling on whether this is the thing to go to in terms of it being like, you must see this before anything else? Um, well, you've got to look at what Elden Ring does uh, versus what is being presented with other things. Like I mm. watched people playing uh, Dying Light 2 and I have to admit, it looks like a very... Uh, well-polished game uh, looks really good. The parkour free-running elements and the traversal mechanics do seem mm. very, very uh, engaging. Mm-hmm. Let down though by uh, a story that has a character that no one really cares about and right. endings that are actually quite bad. I watched a guy play through live on Twitch when he got to the endings, and it was like, "Ooh, I'm glad to pay something good for that game." Um, Horizon, on the other hand, is an impeccable uh, design showpiece for mm-hmm. uh, like animation uh, and character design. The story isn't as impactful as the first no. one uh, but the overall tone and atmosphere of the game is incredible mm-hmm. now what i feel like elden ring does is it takes the elements that you might expect from an open world game and a dark souls game and it actually expands on both of them to such an extent that i do feel like it is deserving of all the praise that's floating around Same. at the moment yeah. like elden ring has done for open world games what i wish had been done many years ago it's mm. a world that feels alive it feels um real in some places like when you're going through enemy encampments that have taken up actual mm-hmm. strategic defensive positions rather than by law like, and explanations for yeah, why they're there yeah exactly everything feels varied you're constantly coming across new stuff there's always something to do no matter mm-hmm. how you feel that you're progressing through the game and it makes the act of busy work not feel like busy work i don't feel like i've ever been sent on a fetch quest i am making True. the fetch quest for myself yeah. i'm saying i need to level up so where do i go mm-hmm. um and i feel like it's uh, not hand-holding i feel like it's um it rewards the player for carefully thinking about their surroundings and realizing mm-hmm. where their strengths lie and where their weaknesses are and i just think that that is a new thing we're not That's, being told yeah. how to play the game we're just 
playing the game how we want to play. Yeah, by far my biggest negative with Horizon when I reviewed it was that it felt like just more of the same. And it's not that that formula isn't bankable or enjoyable to a, a certain degree, but at some point you want something new and Horizon like doesn't really do anything new. It's more Horizon. It's more how Zero Dawn felt. It's just refined. Um, and that's fine. It's great for what that is. But Elden Ring does do new stuff. Like you can say yeah. that the start of it is very Soulsian, and it is. I think that they're playing an intentional card. But when it blows up and you realize how many intersecting gameplay loops it has and how freeing all those different approaches feel and how rewarding they can be um yeah like jules said it's like if you want to prioritize a new feeling and if you're maybe a bit sick of the open world formula um, Mm and in the way that the likes of ubisoft have presented it then this is almost like the nintendo 2017 onwards approach and which is just more open-ended more breath of the wild that's where those comparisons came from for breath of the wild but it's really not like breath of the wild other than the idea of a big open space um the other games that i forgot uh, when i reeled stuff off before were pokemon and sifu um which sifu is phenomenal if you find yourself liking the tight combat of, of, of a souls game i would totally say go check out sifu it's nice and tight and short yeah and get through that um the thing is I, I i'm circling around the idea of doing like a you know most recommendable games of 2022 so far because there's so much stuff yeah um and it is kind of crazy but yeah for me i nigh on broke myself going 35 hours through each one of these games sequentially and now ev- oh, i'm done like like elden ring is the thing i'm going through um everything else is done from pokemon to ollie ollie world to whatever mm-hmm. um and i would say that elden ring is the best thing of the bunch um unless you want something that'll show off what your ps5 can do and then you can pick up a like horizon or something but yeah elden ring is damn special next question from jack asbury who says with the announcement of pokemon scarlet and violet do game freak staff ever get to go home oh it's a very valid should. point they're doing two major releases in the same year now okay i'm just gonna say that uh, the last uh, massive uh, publisher that managed to also a game development uh, studio that did mm. that was when ubisoft squirted yep. out uh, two assassins creed in the same year and let's not forget rogue wasn't that great and uh, was it syndicate or was it Rogue uh, had a great story and then yeah it was up against um oh god was that the same year that unity came out unity that was it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and unity was in an absolute state when it yes. shipped so I would say that it is not in their best interest to ship out two games that feel so remarkably different. And like, Mm. let's be honest, it looked very ropey. The graphics that we've seen from this looked pretty bad. And the top comment when I looked at it was, Mm -hmm. oh, I love the fact that they're still making games for the GameCube. (laughs) Like that is that is on point because the graphics look so like um, I'm not I'm not going to say that the graphics are the only thing you should look for for Mm. a video game. But I do think that you want some seeing, semblance of an, of an advancement over time. Yeah. yeah, after seeing the game they have just released, this is a mm. definite downgrade. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay, are we going back to the same formulaic battle system as well? Like, what are we I doing think, here? I think they've said it'll it'll stay like Arceus, where it's more. It is still turn based, but it's snappier and it's more open world and whatever. But like, yeah, but it's why do weird. We need two games in the same. Well, that's year? the thing, right? I mean, I f- I thought they were doing Arceus as like a, a, as a break in the chain. I thought they were yeah. trying something else and letting it breathe, and then whatever worked with Arceus, they might fold into the. New games but i thought they would take a break um i didn't realize they were going to be throwing out the standard two games as always um and then it kind of explains why arceus uh, graphic wise or presentation wise is so lackluster like i love that game in every sense other than the visuals Mm -hmm. and so it's one of those things where maybe this is why they've had to co-develop arceus alongside two other new games and it just seems like they're being stretched so thin when you know it's nintendo like if you just took a step back treat pokemon like mario in terms of the bigger releases like imagine a really actually gorgeous Pokemon game that played like Arceus but looked like Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild like that yeah, exactly. would be incredible it's so weird especially when you know that the Switch is capable of turning these sort of like uh, low specifications into really high value looking mm. um, projects like uh, Odyssey even the new upcoming Kirby game looks 
yeah, fantastic. So like good. because it uses a simple design philosophy mm. and Pokemon easily fits that bill, but I just don't understand why we're getting effectively <laughs> three games in one year. Well, this feels like, like the turning point. Like, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's because it's the 25th anniversary. So they're like, well, there's a lot of like talk around Pokemon. We can capitalize mm -hmm. on this stuff. And um, it's just one of those things where, or sorry, it's the year after their 25th anniversary, but still like that, that energy is there. I still feel, and they're doing their own Pokemon live streams. It's not part of Nintendo Direct. It is like its yeah. own thing. And so, but I don't know, this feels like the turning point. It reminded me, like you said, of, of what Ubisoft did, where it's like, oh, we can crank this handle a little bit more and just kind of take a lend of people a little bit and see if they'll buy all three or if they'll buy more than one in a year or whatever yeah. and this feels like the turning point where it's just too much especially within proximity like Arceus has only been out for a month and then you're telling it's people mad. like hey the other one's coming it's like and you it's just so did diamond mad. and pearl like yeah it's uh it's not great um a final question from elfar oliver who says ubp you better be having a lovely day we better be having a lovely day we don't. I, I wasn't before, help but now i have to, I have <laughs> to have <a> <laughs> you sit there and have a lovely day people ask what is wrong with gorilla for releasing games a week before breath of the wild and elden ring and i think that's fair and um, i'm sure ragnarok will be game of the year later for the rest of 2022 thoughts on the rest of the year because everything else is so packed and um, for the first half so far oh what like what are we looking forward to for kind of i guess just general thoughts do you think the gaming industry do you think this year will be more consistent i have a gut feeling sense yeah okay like, I, I have a gut feeling that this is this might be it i don't know i i think that we're gonna get um a ton of like very very big named games coming out and mm. picking the game of the year at the end of this year is probably gonna be very difficult mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well the thing is like we've got um there's the leaked state of play playstation thing for march so hopefully that still happens this this mm -hmm. month um but in terms of big releases like that's my gut feeling is that nothing's gonna top elden ring i think we might be done for the year like there's maybe god of war 2 there's maybe breath of the wild 2 but that's kind of it like there's not i mean but those else. two are very big games mm. like you we might be sitting here in a few months time just being like God, Oh, remember when we were championing Elden Ring and this <laughs> came along just blew them both out of the water sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Possibly. I think that whole thing of, because um, I saw we had a couple of questions about like the idea of why is Horizon and Gran, Tur Gran Turismo, another game that I forgot to oh, mention yeah. before. Yeah. Gran Turismo 7, great game. Um, but yeah, like a lot of people saying like, why are all these things all releasing at the same time? Like what's the logic behind it? What, what's, your, what's your gut feeling on that? Well, surely it's just because of the fact that everyone's been away and not in development studios and now they finally mm. set times when people are going back to work and actually starting to get like it's it comes down to simple uh, economics like mm. if you've got a country that has been inside and not spending that much uh, and now is starting to mobilize their workforce they're in city centers they're spending more as yeah, a result in there they're boosting local communities they're they're starting to maybe um industries are coming back in so they can hire and take on more people. Of course, mm -hmm. you're going to release a game when people start to have more disposable income. I'm True. not saying that that is always 100% the case because, I mean, as we well know, the cost of living is coming up ridiculously. So <laughs> we might not have that much disposable income, but mm -hmm. that's where it sits in a graph perspective. At that's, least. Yeah, that's definitely what, probably the, the largest factor too. I was wondering if it was just, you know, you, you've got your 60 pounds, you've got your 70 pounds, you're going to spend it on one thing and they would rather you spend it on their thing. So in a way, yeah, it but... benefits them to compete directly rather than stagger it a bit you you think that but it's like um you've got like specific launch window periods like mm. um no one releases stuff in january usually just because mm. of the fact that you don't have any money left over for christmas and all <laughs> the games come out in christmas but you then risk having like a um like a, an issue of over competing in the market like oversaturation. so it's very hard to pick when you release your games i tell you when you don't release your game though you mm. don't release it alongside call of duty and um what was <laughs> the other game and battlefield one 
Yeah, uh, if you're Titanfall 2, 2, still the best first-person shooter of the last 10 years, yeah, don't sandwich it in between two absolute titans themselves and then not sell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, massive thank you to everybody for sending in all their questions. We got a lovely response in regards to Elden Ring. We'll see how the rest of uh, next week plays out, um, and we'll maybe we'll do more Elden Ring talk. At some point, someone will have to stop us, because I feel like this, this is going to be the thing <laughs> that's going to be talked about for the rest of 2022. For now, though, this has been, been the Untitled Banner Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you UBP, the UBP, the UBP. And we'll catch you next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.